0: get in the action on the action addicts podcast no greater faction than the action movie scene get in the action on the action addicts podcast your satisfaction action on Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the show. My name is Scott Wiley and you're listening to the Action Addicts podcast and this is our second week of our Spooky Action Cinema month. Today we're going to be talking about the film Saloom, which is the only film that's come out in 2022 that we're going to be covering this month. The film Saloom is a bit of a weird one. The tagline is Once Upon a Time in Africa... And this is a film that I kept seeing lots of people talking about when I was actually away, so I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. The blurb reads, In 2003, a trio of mercenaries escaping a coup in Guinea-Bissau take refuge in a hidden region on the Saloum River of Senegal, but something from beyond the grave awaits them there. And first of all, let me just say apologies for anything that I pronounce incorrectly. None of these uh, locations are ones I'm familiar with, and many of the names and the language being spoken in the film is French. And although my lovely wife can speak French fluently, I cannot. uh, I could just about get through a few sentences when I was younger, but I did not hold on to any of that. So right away, you assume that there must be some kind of horror aspect, and the fact that for me, and I believe everybody else as well who has seen this, it is on the service known as Shudder, you can either watch it directly through Shudder or in my case I watched it through Amazon Prime using the Shudder subscription. The film was directed by Jean-Luc Herbula, I think, or Herbule, I'm not sure, but it was also written by him as well as Pamela Diop. It stars Jan Gale, Eveline Ily-Johan, Roger Salar, Bruno Henry as well as Mentor Bar. And again, apologies if I got those wrong. Now, it's safe to say that if you're going to attempt to watch Saloon, that you're probably going to get the most out of this if you already have some contextual background information to do with the beliefs of the countries in question, of the local area, and more specifically, any supernatural beliefs and to be fair, just history in general of the area, because there are a lot of points in this film where they explain it like you you can you can get by, but I can definitely tell that you'd get a lot more out of it if you already know this stuff. Uh, if you have background information, then you're probably going to be sort of more aware and with it, whereas this might be a tad confusing or overwhelming if, like me, you know nothing. But, like I said, I still got through it, so I think the film does a good job of bridging that gap for people who maybe are not aware, who don't know the lore of the locations that this film takes place in, who don't know about spirits, about the various different uh, beliefs of that area. So, I thought it it, it did an admirable job, but there is a lot of information to absorb there. I would say that this is like trying to watch uh, a Hong Kong thrillers you know for the supernatural uh, without understanding any of the local customs that go there so it's nothing particularly difficult to get over i just think if you try and go into this completely cold uh, and you're not aware of that you might be taken aback by it so what did i think of the film overall well that's a great question uh i don't know this is a weird film it's not one that i disliked uh, i i wouldn't say that it was a bad film but i'm very aware that this is a action show and this is supposed to be the horror action crossover month and for me i don't know saloom is a strange film because i want to my my instinct is to say it doesn't really succeed uh, either but it does have strong Supernatural elements, I just didn't particularly find them strong horror elements. But then again, I'm not really the horror expert, so you'll have to forgive me if loads of people disagree with me there. You know, it is what it is. But it slightly worries me or concerns me when I'm thinking about this film in terms of trying to make an episode on it because I can definitely Say that the supernatural elements are strong and well done. I cannot say the same thing about the action elements because I'm still trying to decide if I count what's in the film as enough to qualify it as action. Because even though these are three mercenaries that are set up as these absolute badasses right from the word go in a really stylish scene. You don't actually see them do anything badass or stylish, it's just stylish in the way that it's shot. And this, unfortunately, carries on throughout the film. We have this really weird setup where you have these three kick-ass mercenaries that don't really do anything right until the very end, and then you could say, well, now they're doing stuff, but... No, they're not. Not really. There's a shit ton of shaky cam making sure that you can't actually really see what the fuck is going on, which uh, really, really annoyed me, which is a shame because what is going on looks pretty decent and all the actors in this, as far as I'm concerned, did great. I don't think there's a single member of the cast that had a bad showing and that makes it all the more frustrating. That when it was time for everything to kick off, I was left with a feeling of confusion more so than enjoying the action, enjoying the horror, whatever it might be. It was mostly just me sat there going, are those flies? Mosquitoes? Clouds? And I would say that's a spoiler, but they're in the trailer, so make of that what you will. But I am going to be spoiling this film because this film is really completely like the definition of a film of two halves. There's the first half of the film, which is all completely normal, and then the second half of the film that's not normal. And some people might be going, well, that sounds a bit like uh, other action horror films that you could compare it to, such as From Dusk Till Dawn, or maybe even They Live to a Lesser Degree, or even The Thing. Like, a film that starts off with one clear goal in mind, a concept, and then you introduce a horror aspect but this is definitely much more like from dusk till dawn than say a film that has a normal setting and then there's a reveal fairly early on from dusk till dawn's reveal is sort of uh well i'd say over halfway through maybe halfway through i haven't seen it for a while but uh, this film is the same you get a significant chunk of film and story really that you could you could arguably not need to see in order to still kind of get the supernatural stuff like It feels like two separate storylines, however they're not, they are linked. So as I say, I will be spoiling this film. Uh, If you want to know what my thoughts are unspoiled, then I would just say that the film is worth a watch in your own minds, because this is a film that tries to tackle some complicated issues, and I think it succeeds, but it makes it really difficult to talk about, because a I think that there is one aspect of this film that might be triggering for some people, and I also think that uh, talking about it in, in the guise of, say, an action horror film is kind of like not doing the particular topic justice, so I'm going to attempt to just sort of mention it when we get there, but again, that will come in the spoiler bit. But I do want to mention it in the non-spoiler bit, because... The description of the film is very misleading, and obviously it does that deliberately, but if you want to see, in my opinion, a really good done drama about a bunch of mercenaries that do something right at the beginning, uh, like I said, this, this stylish sequence, they try and get away, but it goes a bit wrong, and they end up basically having to stay at this town with a hotel, and the whole basic premise is this hotel is free. But instead of paying with money, you have to do chores and you get randomly given a chore at the start of the day. And if you do certain things then you end up picking up extra chores, like one of the funniest jokes uh, or funnier jokes is that one of the mercenaries immediately starts drinking as soon as he gets taken to the bar. And then after he's had quite a bit to drink, the owner of the establishment turns around and says, oh, by the way, one of the... uh, deals here is that if you have a drink, then you're one of the people that is gonna have to clean up the bar, and you're the only person that has had a drink today, so um, enjoy. And so you get in this situation where they're trying to blend in and be low key, but they're also wound up. They're also trying to babysit somebody that paid them. They've also got a deal with the other hotel guest members, and they've got a deal with potentially someone that might know who they are, and then another guest arrives that is also a problem for them to have to deal with. And so I think from a drama point of view and from a just pure acting and tension and just telling a decent story, I think it's great, which is why I say you should watch it for yourself because the action stuff is still good in inverted commas. Um, it's, it's just it doesn't compare to any of the other films that we're going to be talking about on Spooky Action Cinema, and unlike the only other film I can think of that I've covered that I'm kind of feeling the same way about, which was Hydra, Hydra has fantastic action sequences, as few of them as there are, which was my main complaint, but when it does kick off, you remember them. Like, that's what sticks in your mind, and that's why people always say it's an action film, even though the 90% of the runtime is no action whatsoever. This film, on the other hand, 90% of the film is also not got any action, but when the action does kick off, it's probably not what you're going to remember from the film, because the actual story, the way in which the reveal happens, the twists and turns, and the way it's shot as well, in certain scenes, is probably going to stay with you more. The imagery, and from my point of view, and I suspect the point of view of a lot of people seeing this in the West, these are locations and places that you're not familiar with. There is some gorgeous landscapes and geography, and there's a lot of cool stuff up until you actually get to where most of the film takes place, which is in, like, you know, the abandoned area because they're trying to lay low. Like, there's hardly anybody living there. Although, again, there's more to that than meets the eye. And it's funny, the The thing that kept running through my head when I was watching this, if you're uh, a gamer like myself, then you might also make the same connection, is Resident Evil 5. And uh, if you've played that game, you'll know that there's a lot of similar settings location-wise in both the game and this film and the fact that there's also a sort of supernatural horror element to it it was kind of difficult to not have that in the back of my mind but there's there's no comparisons to be made there they're, they're completely different it's purely the fact that Resident Evil 5 had some very similar shots especially at the beginning where you're wandering through like these desert villages and uh, you've got the, the African Backdrop. It's it's an interesting place to set films. It would actually be kind of cool to have some more Hollywood stuff try and branch out and set there, considering recently we've had a few films, you know, try to branch out and go across India, such as The Extraction film, which I really enjoyed, that uh, is a future episode coming soon. So again, I, I, I struggle to talk about this film without going into spoiler-territory, but like I said, all of the main actors give a great performance, so this is it. I'm going to start talking about the film's story now. So if you don't want to know and you haven't seen it yet, click out here, come back, or don't, it's up to you. But either way, three, two, one, and now we're into spoiler territory. So, the whole point of the film is that the main character did not, in fact, crash, in inverted commas uh into this place. There nothing actually went wrong at the start of the film. He actually sabotaged the plane that they were all in, knowing full well that Saloom was here and that he knew this place because one of the running things that happens in well throughout the film, but in the beginning especially, is you see flashbacks of a boy with a revolver and some of those shots are Well, they're kind of like a mini story about what's happening, and it becomes pretty obvious if you're paying attention pretty quickly that it's about the main character, Chaka. Uh, Some of them happen when he's asleep, and then they end when he, you know, wakes up like he's having a nightmare, and he's clearly got PTSD or something similar to that effect from his experiences when he was a kid because he was horrifically mistreated. And that's what I was talking about when I say that In my opinion, the film is tackling a very serious subject, and I think it handles it with respect, but I'm going to struggle to talk about it without fear of coming off as not giving it that same respect. So, they imply a lot about what may or may not have happened to Chaka in his past whilst he was being held in captivity. Both of his hands are branded, and... He says a particular sentence when he meets the person that did this to him again and reveals himself. He says, you know, you defiled me for weeks. And there's a lot of different ways that you can take that. And, uh, I'm not going to elaborate any further than that. But I think that to put a highlight on something that unfortunately still happens to this day is important and I'm glad that this film did it, especially since it's not something that mainstream movies tend to focus on, in inverted commas. Yes, you can find them, but it's unlikely you're going to find it in a horror supernatural thing. And the fact that they wove that into the story at first I thought was interesting. However, where they then go with it, I got annoyed by. It. Because essentially this poor kid got ho- you know, horrifically treated as a kid, grew up, became a mercenary, and one of the things that the film tries to do is frame them as not mercenaries, but as freedom fighters and heroes to everyone except the police, obviously. The police chief that turns up halfway through the film, well, a bit earlier than that, He is very much there to arrest them because they're criminals in his mind. However, one of the other hotel guests, the deaf lady, Awa, who knows who they are, sort of, she basically sort of relays their past to them in a way that the audience can understand that from most people's point of view, everything they did was good. And she even flat out tells Chaka that She considers the hyenas, which is who these three gentlemen are, heroes, and so do a lot of other people, and, like, they're the good guys, and they stamp out corruption, they tend to go after other drug dealers, and they go after the bad guys. You know, they're they're bad people doing bad things to other bad people. So, from other people's perspective, they're good guys, which, yeah, that really depends on where your own moral compass is. And the fact that, as the film goes on, there... I would like to say there's this running theme of revenge, but there really isn't. It's there at the very beginning, with a narration, and then it comes back at the very end, with the same narration. And that kind of irritated me, because... And this this is the spoiler part. The film ends with Chaka dying, after taking his revenge on Omar, a.k.a. Colonel... Remington, because he is the person who was running the hotel and he's also the person that held him prisoner as a child soldier and potentially other stuff all those years ago and then they kind of imply that maybe that was in his past maybe he now feels bad about it and he's tried to change his life and become you know, a positive member of society for want of a better way of putting it. The problem is, that kind of all falls apart because the second Omar dies is when all the supernatural shit kicks off and the spirits come out and they basically try to take vengeance or, well, not really vengeance, sort of vengeance, again. This is where the wording of trying to understand this film gets a bit murky. But the spirits don't, allegedly, don't like the fact that Omar's been killed, even though at the end of the film, maybe they don't care that Omar's been killed. However, one of the things that they do is take Shaka to a shed and show him what's in it. And inside this shack, not a shed, sorry, uh, there are dozens of boys. And they've all been branded, same as he was, and they're all being held captive. And uh, basically, they're the currency that the spirits are given so that they will protect Omar, did a shit job of that, and allow him to keep operating and do other stuff. They never really explain exactly what he's doing. They start to, and then the character that's explaining it conveniently escapes and then is killed before they can talk to him again. Not that I think they really cared, but... They don't really make any effort to explain that, and they don't really need to. But that kind of solidifies that Omar, Colonel Remington, was not somebody that had tried to redeem himself, if that's possible for someone like him. And he certainly wasn't someone that I was going to shed any tears over, that he was riddled with holes and had his head blown off. But the film then starts killing off some of the main characters. One of whom I was sad about, but fine with, because I thought that was a noble sacrifice, and that was the old man of the group anyway, so it was kind of like, fair enough, alright then. However, at the very, very, very end of the film, the spirits come out of the water as Colonel Remington and it's a pretty good sequence, you know, the, the the effects and the makeup on him look great. But Chaka shoots him to save his friend and then falls in the water as a result of that. And then Chaka gets pulled underwater and he dies too. Like, that's how the film ends. And that really pissed me off because the message of the film... Well, they, I say the message of the film... One of the messages of the film that I picked up on seemed to be that old uh saying that the man who seeks revenge needs to dig two graves, one for his enemy and one for himself. The thing is, though, I don't really see why they did that because he didn't just seek revenge. He also freed the villagers' children. He also basically was living as good of a life as he could with, you know, with his skills and with his trauma. And it just kind of makes you go, well, why? Why did he have to die? And I've tried to see if other people have like a different take on the ending. And I haven't actually seen anybody else mention it like that. But I did see somebody who reviewed this basically turn around and say that it looks like the curse is lifted now of that area, like the spirits have been satiated, so they're going to leave everybody the fuck alone and people can just live their lives normally. And that's great and all, but I still don't really get why. Um, I know the real answer is because that's what the script writer wanted, but it kind of feels like the two people that survived were the two people that weren't looking for revenge, and I kind of get that, but then there were many other people who died that also weren't looking for revenge. So it's kind of like I said... I think that, I think there was a message there, but it kind of gets buried by all the other things the film is trying to say. And ordinarily that wouldn't bother me because I wouldn't be focusing on that. But that really is the reason you're watching this film because, as I said, you ain't watching this film for the action. So the action kicks off once the supernatural stuff happens. And basically the enemies in this film are clouds of Flies is the best way to describe it. There might be locusts, there might be mosquitoes, there might not be flies, they might just be making a buzzing sound. I don't know. Because you never actually get a good look at these things, which I'm actually pleased about because it's meant that that has stayed in my head since I watched it. Like, I've been constantly thinking about what did I actually just see, which is a good thing. You know, I'm not complaining, but it does mean that when they're trying to fight these things, the rules. Well, there aren't really any rules. They just seem to do what they want. One minute getting shot makes them go away. And then all of a sudden, just like stabbing them with a knife seems to get rid of them like they would, you know, hurt us. But then in later scenes, they can take like a whole clip of a revolver and nothing. And you just sort of go, well, I don't really understand... Which, in fairness, the characters don't understand. So again, like I said, it's not a complaint from a point of view of I don't understand how this supernatural thing works because it's a supernatural thing. I don't think it has rules to how it works. But it does mean, like I said, that when you say, oh, this is an action film, well, the only action you actually see is against these supernatural, I am assuming CGI-generated things. And at first, I thought that they were implying that the ones that sort of look humanoid were from a village that had been established to being a bit weird. Like, the main member of the group that has a bit of a supernatural air about him himself, which is uh, Papa Minuet, he basically has already sussed out that there's something supernatural going on. And there are many hints throughout the story... You get these uh, weird camera movements where you think something's going to happen, like something's following them, or there's people running around them. It looks like there are people stood in the shadows a lot of the time, and then a character will turn around and look right at them, and there's nothing there. But you think there's something there? And at first I thought maybe I was just seeing things, but then now I'm thinking that there is stuff there, it's just that they weren't seeing them because they were spirits, but the audience is seeing them. And that is exactly the effect they wanted of you going, oh, well, I must be seeing things then, because it really looks like there are people stood in the shadows or there is something crouched in the shadows in other places. And I really like that, because it puts you on the same edge that the characters are at, and it really messes with your perception of what exactly is going on before the big reveal, that there is actually supernatural stuff going on. But, so basically there's this point where they say like they're not alone after they've already established that there are shadows there, and then they say, oh, there's something of the village, I can't quite remember what they said because I didn't know the word or didn't recognize the word, um will want the spirits to take us or something to that effect. And I thought that what was happening is the humanoid spirits were actually people of the village and they were disguising themselves or using the powers of the spirits to sort of move around at the same time like they weren't being affected by them for whatever reason because originally the whole thing is that you can't listen to the spirits like once they get inside your head they will essentially kill you from the inside out like they take all your senses away and then you just die basically and it's not particularly pleasant as a couple of characters unfortunately experience that but then they kind of come at you like i said these big clouds of flies but they can kind of form shapes um you know a, a vaguely humanoid shape so that they can essentially try and get you more directly and also you know get right up in your face and try to get you to listen to them because you know the way that they defeat them or get past them not so much defeat them is that they all wear ear protection uh some of the more effective than others uh, I suspect, because, you know, some of them are, are wearing industry-standard ear protection muffs that I used to wear working in a warehouse, and then the main character is literally wearing, like, Sony Walkman 1990s-era headphones that wouldn't keep any noise out whatsoever, and allegedly he's playing a cassette tape with music, but again, I, I know from memory those would not keep keep out angry spirits. They could barely keep out people in the next room, never mind people in the same room. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not that bothered by it. It just made me chuckle. So from that point of view, why am I saying then that uh, it's more supernatural than horror? Well, the thing is, is most of the horror stuff is actually done in the first half of the film before the reveal. Because in my opinion, once the horror flies, I don't. I, I really wish I knew what to call them, once the spirits uh, arrive, it's kind of like, more of a disaster film in my opinion because now they kind of know what they're dealing with they kind of understand we can't listen to them we need to get out of here we have a plan let's go and it's a question of can they do it rather than what the hell is going on and in the first half of the film everything is super tense like there isn't really any there's only one scene in the whole like first half that i would say is relaxed and that's the The scene in retrospect is slightly weird, because Omar and Chaka basically go out and stop some poachers from going out and poaching by shooting them with BB guns, and they basically have what would otherwise be considered a bonding moment uh, over the fact that they were both in the military, the conflicts they've served in, and the fact that they're kind of going to help each other, but this is before the audience knows who Omar actually is, and the fact that Chaka was able to do all of that without any hint that he hates his guts and would happily blow his head off, that's, that's, that's really good that they managed to do that. And like I said, I love all of the actors in this. I'm really grumpy that two of the hyenas died because I would love to see them together again in a sequel, like a more, like actually see them be the hyenas, basically is what I'm driving at because they were such a cool unit together. And I really enjoyed spending time with them. And the fact that they were so good at being this uh, undercover unit of getting people's trust. Yes, uh, one of them naturally was the troublemaker. And uh, ironically, he's the one that survived. And the fact that uh, Rafa, you know, he was told to lay low and then pretty much proceeded to do the exact opposite. You you need a guy like that in, in these sorts of films. So fair enough, you know. I also really like, to, uh, just, just, just quickly the fact that Minuet, or Minuet, cause I'm sorry, I can't quite remember how they said it now in the film. I watched it uh, uh, quite a while before recording this. He has this like, uh, dust that he just breathes on you and you fall asleep. And I really like that because he's the one that has a bit of a supernatural element himself that is actually recognized by the other characters when it all kicks off. Um, again, there's a lot of lore about spirits, about magic in inverted commas, about the history of the supernatural in both that area and other parts of Africa. And it's all thrown at you very, very quickly. And I don't really remember any of it, which is kind of the 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 issue. I mean, I think I can remember that the king of the area is Gana Sirabana of the Bainuks. However... Don't ask me what that means, (laughs) because like I said, it kind of assumes that you kind of know a lot about this, which is perfectly fine for the target audience, probably does. But it's just one of those funny things where they throw all this spiritual lore at you, which I loved. Like, I would love to go... I'm, I'm probably going to go off and learn more about this, but it did make a lot of this sort of leave me scratching my head. And like I said, you can still get through it and understand it, but I feel like some... Uh, homework might be necessary to get the full story there. Earlier I mentioned Awa, who is a deaf girl, and she actually has some of my favorite scenes in the whole film because, first of all, she's deaf, which, at first, leads to some great comical scenes that are also stupidly tense. Like, one of my favorite scenes in the entire film, which is what I was just going to mention, is she is the one that knows who they are, that I mentioned earlier. Like, she knows who they are from the word go. They all sit down to dinner, like everybody that's staying at the place, and she speaks in sign, obviously, but turns out, so do all the, the hyenas, and it, and one by one, they all reveal that they can also speak sign, and she basically tells Chaka that she knows who they are, and then he is basically, they're having like a full-on aggressive debate about what's gonna happen next, like. They're all getting ready to kick off. She's basically telling them, this is what I want, otherwise I'm going to expose you. And everyone around them is just, like, lost because they don't know what's being said. They're kind of getting grumpy that they're being left out of the conversation. And uh Chaka's trying to, like, keep everyone calm, and he has this demented grin on his face because he's trying to look like it's all pleasant and happy. But at the same time, at any minute, They might be literally hurling knives at each other across the table. And then, not long after that, a police captain shows up and decides that he's going to come there for some R&R because of stuff that happens right at the beginning of the movie. He's kind of like, yeah, I need to get away from the city for a while. (laughs) Now, Unaware, allegedly, of the fact that he's walked in the middle of all of this. And again, very tense. Love the way all of the hyenas, like, very slowly either... Arm themselves with sharp kitchen weaponry or have managed to hide, like, say, a gun somewhere on their person. But it's all good because the police captain doesn't recognize them. But again, you find out later on that he did. And uh, he was always there to catch them, essentially. And so, when I say that I liked the film, I really did like the film. Like, there's so much little subtleties in the setup. My issues are with the payoff. Awa being deaf was a great maneuver because the spirit's whole way of attacking you is you have to hear them. Well, she's deaf. she's She can literally wander around out there and they can't really touch her, which is one of the reasons why I think they then come after them trying to be corporeal because they realize that their mental attacks aren't working. And she's also the one that paints them as freedom fighters, and I really like the fact that her whole thing is basically that she wants to go with them when they leave because, and I didn't quite, again, I didn't quite follow all of this, but I couldn't work out if she was part of the the chaos that happens at the start of the film or if she was part of the group that they were supposed to meet where the plane was originally supposed to land and it had been, like, taken out. But either way, she knew who they were she was a criminal and dangerous in her own right. And by criminal, I mean like a, a soldier the same way that they are. But, you know, they're all wanted by the police, basically. Um And it, this leads into, <laughs> like I said, a lot of confrontations between her and the rest of the group. Sometimes comical, sometimes serious. When they all decide that it's time for them to leave, the first thing they do is uh, amb- Chaka goes and ambushes her in the hut and you don't see what happens like you're left wondering for quite some time if she'd actually been killed which they kind of hint at and then later on uh they don't kill her as you know she's uh, just been badly tied to the chair because she manages to escape not that it matters because by the time she does escape the uh killer flies are here the other thing i really like is that once the big reveal of the spirits has happened and who Omar is being Remington The Rafa and Minuet, they have this moment of realising that it's all been set up by Chaka, and they're not particularly impressed or happy about the fact that they were essentially forced into this situation, and they were being lied to, like, the three of them are supposed to be the three amigos, and, you know, they're in everything together, and uh, why couldn't he have just told them that that's what he wanted to go and do? And you know, that that's kind of a fair comment. But what I like is instead of that, in some films, that that would be the, the grounds for like a third act breakup. Like they'd have a, a screaming match. They'd all disappear off into their own corners. They'd have a pointless uh, couple of sequences and then they'd remember how much they mean to each other. And then they would join back up and the whole thing would feel really superfluous. But they don't do that. Things are kicking off, everybody needs to work together, and even though, you know, they're kind of pushed into it because of the situation, they still have that moment of being angry at Chaka, especially Rafa, but when it's time and they have a plan, Rafa says to him, I'm sorry that he did those things to you when you were a kid, and it skips the whole unnecessary part of them needing to break up, in inverted commas. And it just goes right to the point where actually, now I'm a bit calmer because I'm not upset that you lied to me. You know, the the thing I should have said is I'm sorry that this happened to you. Life is shit essentially. And they then all go off together and try to, you know, combat the current issue and that's when all the horror action scenes kick off and they're stabbing ghosts and uh, blowing bullets at them and Like I said, it's not bad, it's just not as good as the setup, uh, in my opinion anyway. Not helped by the fact that I will add that somebody really thought that Shaky Cam is going to make a comeback in this film, because simple things like just running from one point of cover to another has so much Shaky Cam that I honestly was expecting Liam Neeson to come running in at some point and, you know, take 60 cuts to climb a fence. So, as I said earlier, there is a point where they discover that there are other kids being held captive there. And this leads to an interesting change of character because the police captain, who has kind of been forced to work with them because of the fact that they're being hunted by spirits, which quite a few of them are not really on board with, they're like, this can't actually be happening. But it is, so they kind of have to deal with it. And he's one of them, understandably. But when he sees that Remington or Omar, as he knows him, has all these kids held captive, and he can see the fact that they've all had their hands branded. Oh man, does that change his character? He goes from reluctantly helping them to basically going well basically being happy with whatever Chaka does next. um There's this brilliant moment where you see his reaction, he's incredibly upset, and he's angry. And him and Chaka both go to interrogate the right hand man of Omar, essentially, who tries to come off as being this like hopeless, helpless idiot, but he's really not. And I love the fact that the uh, the other hyenas and, you know, especially Rafa is like, Chaka, what the hell are you doing? And like tries to stop him. And the police guy who earlier would have been right there with him, he physically stops Rafa and he's like, no, nah, man, let him do it. And that I I loved that change. Like there's so much good stuff in here, just from a purely acting and story point of view. That I'm still recommending people watch it, even though from an action point of view, you know, it 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 should not be in my wheelhouse. But this is one of those things that happens when you or you know you want to do an episode on a film you haven't seen. Sometimes you're gonna get a gem, and other times you're gonna get. Uh, something that is still good, but probably isn't what you're expecting. So, as I said, aside from the ending, I really like this film. It's one of those surprising... And yet... I want to say it's surprising and satisfying, but... I think it's only satisfying in as much as I really enjoyed the journey, if not the destination. I would love to see what the people who made this do next... I think that's the best way of putting it. Like, this feels like a great test run for what the creative team, the crew, and the actors as well. But again, you can't always guarantee you're going to have the same actors back. But I really, really want to know what it is that they do after this, because I hope this does well. I really do. The fact that it's on Shudder will hopefully mean that a lot of people go and see it. I know that there were quite a few people talking about this when it actually came out on Shudder a few weeks back. So. Fingers crossed. As for my own personal thoughts on some of the stuff that's addressed in this film, I know that there's there's a fair amount I've skipped over, but again I don't I don't want to dissect the film scene by scene by scene. But when Papa Minue sacrifices himself in order to hold the spirits and keep the spirits at bay, that was a great scene, and I loved it, and it made me really sad as it was supposed to, and You know, it was it was such a great moment that, like I say, the fact that one of the people he was sacrificing himself to save then still dies is kind of like, oh, well, hmm, that kind of takes away from some of the what was said in that scene. But I still really enjoyed it, and considering that it's not perfect, that's kind of an achievement in and of itself. As I said, there are some really heavy themes here, aside from the ones I mentioned in general. There are a lot of heavy scenes, a lot of heavy themes, but they aren't the focal point of the story. And the fact that they can work in, I don't want to say real world, because again, it's one of those things where I'm always hesitant to use that term, but it feels real world, you know, real world issues and real world problems into a fictional story. I think that's a smart move and it can really help the fictional side of what you're trying to do feel grounded. And whilst I'm not a fan of the fact that it is just basically a revenge is bad storyline, because that's that's the whole thing that I get from this, which I I think I started to say earlier and then veered off a bit, but I'm not a fan of those types of stories just because in reality, you're not going to be a badass that's going to go and take revenge when something horrific happens to you or perhaps someone you know. But when you're watching a film, you're not watching reality. You're escaping from reality. So I'm more than happy to suspend my disbelief and watch somebody get their vengeance. And in this film, someone does get their vengeance. The problem is, is that getting their vengeance is something that they shouldn't have done nor wanted to do, because the healthy thing would be to forgive and move on with your life, allegedly. And uh, that is the message that I believe that this film is trying to convey. Or maybe... They had to die in order to lift the curse, and he did a noble thing by sacrificing himself to save his friend at the end, and in turn saved the entire area, which is no longer ruled by the king. I honestly don't know. That's what makes it so fascinating. But either way, that is going to be it for this particular episode. I hope you guys don't mind that it was just me on my own, but... I had always planned for this one to be on my own. It was going to be the one that originally kicked off the week. I'm kind of glad it wasn't now, because again, this really wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting a lot more horror supernatural elements, uh less evil flies, more sort of evil dead. Uh, <laughs> no, not evil dead, but it sounded good when I said it. But um it, it isn't. Uh But I think that... In terms of pure variety, this is a nice pick. This is a nice palate cleanser. It does still fit the bill if you want to watch a spooky action film. Uh, Like I said, the action is not the selling point, but it is there. And it definitely, I think, is worthy of being in people's watch lists for the month of October, since everybody these days seems to go out of their way to make one for this month. I ain't never going to be able to watch a film per day. It's just not going to happen, but I'm glad that this is part of the films that I decided to check out. There is, well, actually, I was about to say there is one other film coming that uh is kind of similar to this one in that I didn't know what to expect, but technically that's only half true. Next week's episode is going to be on Encounters of the Spooky Kind, and although that one was not, it was technically a first time watch for me. It wasn't like I hadn't seen most of the film over time in bits, but there is another film after that that I am very, very curious to hear reactions to and to talk about because it was a first time watch and that's kind of similar to this one. So I'm really pleased that this film and a couple others, you know, were not just the classics were not just the ones that I feel like everybody would pick. And whilst Maybe I can now see why I was the only one that picked this one. At the end of the day, until you watch it, you just don't know. And uh yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed my rambling thoughts on this one. As I say, it was just me. So you either get me rambling or you get me being very hyper-focused. And when there's so many, so many different themes rolling over each other like there is in this film, I really didn't know where to start. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Next week will be a more traditional episode. We'll be joined by the wonderful Lindsay Wilkins. And I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear that one because it was a fantastic talk. And then it's it's ridiculous for me to say this, but and then we will pretty much be halfway through, if not closer to the end of October. And where is the time going, man? That's all I got to say. Either way, if you enjoyed listening, thank you very much. I hope you'll follow us on social media if you're not already. The links to everything that we're on, including other podcasting sites, are always in the show notes, or they should always be in the show notes. Sorry if they're not in one or two of them. But either way, guys, thank you very much for listening, and I will see you all very soon in the next one. On the action!